Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Does darkness veil his face, or does it seem to darken his face? Darken his face is the idea. Uh, that 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 line in that song was changed a few years ago by one particular group to say his face isn't really darkened. It just seems to be that way because of the problem. I want to ask you, I know we've shifted gears and went into uh, faithful endurance and faithful ministry and sticking to those things, and I want to stay in that, but I want to give some uh, some practical application today. Not a very long podcast. I know we've been burning 26 to 30 minutes, depending. Some of you like that. Some of you don't. Some of you prefer the 10 to 15 minutes. Today's is going to be a little bit shorter, uh, but it's very practical. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, mercy and severe. Mercy is still mercy still. What do you do when darkness begins to hide the lovely face of God uh, or you know, his his providential voice, his providential hand, his providential leading, those sorts of things. When it seems like you don't really know what's going on and you're just, you're, you're bewildered. Uh, you and I all, especially in church work, can, can be, uh, we can have nightmares about this. It can become the norm. It becomes something that we just, um, we just come to expect. Um, in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, Paul said he was fighting wild beasts in Ephesus. So, <laughs> Um, which is, you know, gladiatorial imagery, uh, but really he was describing the intense relational conflicts and the spiritual warfare that was going on there. Um, that's, that's, that's a reality for all of us, and all of us are in need of triage care from time to time. And there's different portions of 2 Corinthians, um, and I've, I've learned a lot from 2 Corinthians. I taught it in uh, our adult Bible class uh, about, uh, well, last quarter. And learned a whole lot of things, and especially for me, if you if you've not gleaned a whole lot of Second Corinthians for your ministry, I pray that you would, especially in the dark times or the dark seasons. But but I want to go through a a short uh, seven step, if you will, uh, what's really going to help you in the long term care of faithful ministry. Number one, tell a good friend what hurts. Do not suffer in silence. Don't suffer in isolation, pride, etc. Gather up your friends, your most inner confidants, and get a proper diagnosis. Am I in the wrong? Am I right for feeling this way? Have I misconceived something? Have I mis misunderstood something? You know, Paul Paul gave us a very, un, uh, well, maybe unannounced in some ways, but a very important gift in chapter 1 and verse 8 of Second Corinthians when he, when he told the brethren there, he says, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. He was letting others know just how difficult the situation had become. He wanted them to know that he was he was suffering for the Lord, not only for the proof of his ministry, but for but for the sake of, of prayers, of of, of um, camaraderie and accountability. Let me ask you this question. Who knows how bad that you're actually hurting? Some of us are feared of being labeled as soft or whiny or whatever, fill in the blank. Some of us fear losing our jobs. Some of you feel like that you can't go to your leadership or your eldership and tell them exactly how you feel. Uh, that's awful. That's sad. It's so, so sad when, when the preacher can't be shepherded by the elders. Um, some of us maybe are, are too proud to be known uh, in this way or, or to seek help in some kind of way. Some of us are clueless about how dangerously ill that we really, really are. Um, I need medical. I need emotional. I need spiritual. 
uh, care. So do you. So does every single person who has ever walked this world. Uh, start with your most trusted friends. Um, um, your your health will begin to fall apart in front of you um, in so many ways. But but your journey to good health can can begin to build back up if you're just honest and you and you tell good friends exactly how bad you're hurting. So number one, tell your friends. Number two, be more honest about your pain. Allow yourself to feel that pain. Allow yourself to know that pain and to see it for what it is, is pain. Um, I went through a very, very hard, difficult time um, and did some grieving probably three, well, about four or five years ago now at this point. And, um, and, and the whole time, I, I really didn't allow myself to have pain. I didn't have time. I didn't. Uh, nobody was there to to care for me in in those ways. Nobody knew what was going on. I felt afraid to tell people of what was happening and what was going on and what I was experiencing and and what was what was betraying me and and those sorts of things. It's just a very difficult, sad situation just for me personally. Um, and I really didn't allow myself to hurt. Um, I just I just kind of had this 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 um. um this mindset to say, you know, I actually deserve physical hell. So um, anything God gives me is a blessing. You know, people would say all the time, well, you deserve this and you deserve that and you deserve this and you deserve that. Well, no, realistically, we all deserve hell and we don't deserve the goodness of God. And so when I was being withheld of a blessing in that time, um, then then that was a providential, sovereign God withholding something from me uh, I learned a whole lot. I, I, I in, uh, was able to endure a whole lot of things. But, but I should have been more honest with my pain, more honest with my situation, should have had trusted friends. Uh, and, I, and I had some, and I had some, but I didn't want to tell them. I was just so sick about the situation and so embarrassed uh, about something that was going on. And, um, and uh, that, that, just, that was just a sad time uh, for something that was happening to me. Uh, in my life. So I want, I want to tell you, be more honest about your pain. Uh, resist the temptation to minimize your suffering or to discount your pain. Um, you know, when you go to the Fox's Book of Martyrs, you say, well, they died for the Lord. Or you can say, well, Jesus didn't cry a whole lot, and Paul didn't cry a whole lot, this, that, and the other. But but comparing your suffering to the suffering of other people, the gospel makes us very human, not superhuman, but, but more human. So when Paul says that uh, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death uh, in chapter 1, 8, and 9 of Second Corinthians. It, it sounds like your trauma, my trauma, your pain, my pain, your weariness, um, mine and yours, taking that seriously, uh, Paul said, we've told others about our situation, and we've, we told them exactly how we feel. We were honest about how we feel. You and I are, are going to experience burnout. If we haven't already, we will at some point. Um, you can experience burnout when the church is doing great, um, but not being aware of how much backed-up pain and emotional exhaustion and, and spiritual depletion that you yourself are carrying. You know, you've lifted them and you've carried them for so long. You know, you've worked alongside the eldership or you've worked in the eldership if you're an elder or a deacon or whatever. And it's not just your body, but it's your heart and it's your mind. Uh, it's your soul that, that keeps the tally. So be honest about it. Number three, surrender any sense of, of self-sufficiency, okay? We're specifically told, um, if any man ministers, let him minister with the ability of which God supplies, that God in all things might be glorified, okay? If I run my ministry off of my strength and what I can do and what, what I provide, et cetera, et cetera, 
then my then the ministry is my ministry and, and I get the glory from it. Quickly get off the pedestal, give God all the glory, all the sufficiency for what for what takes place. Um, Mark chapter two, you know, one through five, um, Jesus is there and uh, he, he, there's there's friends who who bring this paralyzed man to the mat. Uh, take your turn on the mat, okay? Um, uh, allow your friends to carry you to 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 the Lord, uh, and get over the the myth and 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 cult of self sufficiency. It's a lie, okay? I need to hear those things, and you do too. Second Corinthians one nine, even through verse eleven, uh, he says this was to make us to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us, and and He will deliver you. Uh, by prayer so there's no one better modeled uh, an aversion to self-reliance and a constant surrender uh, to praying friends um, than than the apostle paul um, you know follow that example um, you, you've got to be in triage mode sometimes especially when you're going through burnout there's no need or time really to start uh, avoiding these things uh, just, just, just go, who are your praying friends? Go to the ones who, who, who love you the most, who you trust the most, who are righteous people and go with them. These people are in, are, are in your gospel posse. Um, get on the mat and let them carry you to the Lord and humble yourself. Um, we can be so great at carrying other people than letting other people carry, carry us. Um, that's not nobility. That's stupidity. Self-reliance and the gospel are anti-theoretical, okay? Grace always runs downhill, and sometimes through unexpected means. He says in chapter 7, verses 5 through 6, he says, Our bodies had not had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. Uh, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And, of course, that's Second Corinthians. Learn to receive comfort from whomever the Lord providentially sends your way. So those are those are three things in regards to uh, short triage care. You know, a personal situation, something that's happening now. You know, uh, you you've got to tell a good friend what hurts. You've got to be honest about your pain and to surrender that that self sufficiency. So let's shift to the long term care. Your your bleeding has stopped from this situation. We begin to walk again. The burnout's beginning to heal, or whatever the whatever the situation is. And we begin walking with, with the help of a good counselor, okay? We, we've shifted matters from spiritual to mental long-term health, okay? Um, you, you, you've got a good counselor in your mix. You've, uh, you continue to have the mutual burden-bearing friendships, okay? Um, and maybe it's the case you need appropriate medical care. There's, there's no shame in that. Um, and, and there are some long-term measures that, that I want you to put in place that have been beneficial that research says to do. Uh, and especially spiritual research, uh, really just disciplines and delights that, that can remain with you and for you forever. Number one, spend more time looking at Jesus. Spend more time than you ever have before beholding and contemplating the beauty of Jesus. Don't just appreciate Paul's spirituality okay, and what he did in that short-term triage, but practice it. Chapter 3 and verse 18, he says, We all with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, or the Lord rather, we are becoming transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. 
So for this, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So leading up to your burnout and mine, we can replace abiding in Jesus with working for Jesus. So Satan's main goal is to rob us of the intimacy that we have with Jesus. Um, in chapter 11, verse 3, he says, I am afraid that, that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from, from, from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Communing with Jesus and adoring him Fellas, it always it always has to take precedence over the demands of a job description, um, people's expectations, the, the 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 tyranny of the urgent. Um, this is a conviction that needs to lead you to transition out of being you know lead dog up front uh, for X number of years that you've been doing so, and um, just just shift this to say hey. I'm here to focus on Jesus, number one, and then I'll focus on you secondary. It has to go that way. Jesus is true. He is good. He is beautiful. And often the, the convergence of a prolonged spiritual attack, uh, uh, well, relational conflicts, that's easy. Um, mental, emotional stress is going to rob us of, of the beauty of Jesus. And so we, we lose our sense of his goodness. So finally, we begin to question the truth of the gospel, which is not what we want to do, and the trustworthiness of Jesus. So number one, spend more time looking at him. Number two, prepare yourself for the pain of the night yet. Develop a greater appreciation for the, quote, already and not yet of life and ministry between the resurrection and the return of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10, Paul says, We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as punished and, and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. The ministry of the gospel, you're in it, I'm in it. The service of it, the side, this side of life, in, in, in this heaven or this earth that we live in, is is going to include incredible blessings, but also <laughs> unimaginable difficulty. If you stay in any particular church or ministry or service to the kingdom long enough, you're going to be both disappointed and disappointing, because we enjoyed. Uh, so many things in, in ministry, you know, we, we do so many things for the church. Um, um, we, have to, we have to be well aware, fellas, that, that something bad, uh, something burdensome um, is coming. Uh, even though things can be great, the devil, the devil will come and rattle those cages. So have an expectation. Don't ask the question why, but ask the question why not. Why should we not have to suffer? Why should we not have to endure things? So to have that have that in mind is good for us. Number three, receive your weaknesses. Learn to accept and delight in your weaknesses. Now that may sound strange, but but you need you you, you accept your strengths and you know your strengths and you love your strengths. And although we don't we hate a weakness per se. Um, there's there's some things about our insufficiency that we need to accept and that we need to appreciate. Jesus is the only one without those things. 
And if I begin to think or if I don't begin to appreciate and, and welcome the humbleness that is coming my way because of my weaknesses, then I'm, then I'm in trouble. Don't wait for the broken downness to start living in the gospel brokenness. Um, what I mean is, is, is that we matter, but we're not the main point. Chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing worth belongs to God and not us. My grace is sufficient for you, he would say in chapter 12 and verse 9. My power is made perfect in weakness, therefore I will, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Um, be aware of your weaknesses. Be aware of your brokenness, of your limitations. And, and boast in those things and, and be honest about those things so that when good has been done, it's been done through you, which is great, but it's been done through you because of God and not of you. So live and minister with so much less stress. You know, schedule may be full, but listen, you know that you're a person of of, of not sufficiency, but but competency. You're you're willing to do and you're willing to go and you're willing to serve, but you give yourself grace to know, hey, I I'm, I have weaknesses and I have limitations. Number four. Visit the home to come. Become a curious, childlike explorer of the hope of heaven and this, this fullness of, of, of what is to come, this, this new, okay, where we will enjoy forever, forever when Jesus returns. Following Paul's example, um, we may not, well, let me put it this way. Following Paul's example, I and maybe you have never spent as much time meditating on heaven and, and groaning for our coming life as it was. Um, in this tent, Paul said, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And then he would go on to say, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new is be- and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, that's verse 2, verse 5, and verse 17. And Revelation 21 uh, through all the way, goodness, chapter 22 and verse 6. Nothing else can help you overcome your spiritual depression, your your deep shame, your emotional pain in ministry, more than connecting your head and your heart with the glorious hope of heaven. I hope these have been beneficial to you. Go back, revisit them. Please share these with other folks. Uh, write this down, preach it, give it to your elders. Uh, give it to your deacons, remind them, let them know, hey, I love you, but you're going to experience these things, and I want to prepare you beforehand. Or you're going through this now, and I want to give you this now. This has helped me. This has helped others. This is tried, true, and tested. It's it's the original OG way to do it. And, um, and so God be with you in your serving those who are serving.